friends, this is Julie Van Warmer, and you're listening to Unshaken, a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. I'm so glad that you're joining us for this episode, episode two in season four. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast directory. And hey, if you get a chance, leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out and lets other people know about this podcast too. You can also reach out to me personally at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you, and I want to know what you want to hear about on the podcast. You can shoot me an email with things that have blessed you, but also maybe some ideas of things you want to talk about. Um, I'd be happy to read those and respond. Well, hey friends, I just wanted to tell you about something really exciting that we're doing over here at Unshaken. We're gonna start a book club. Isn't that fabulous? During season three, one particular book kept being mentioned in the interviews I did. It was mentioned actually four times. I thought it would be great to read this book and talk about it more, so I invited my friend Erica Simpson to join me each week during the months of June and July in a little mini bonus episode series. It's gonna drop the same as our regular episodes. I hope you'll join us. We're gonna be discussing the book, How to Be Free from Bitterness by Jim Wilson. You can order this on your favorite online bookstore, but you also can find a free PDF of it if you Google it. Um, And then you can just print it out and read it. Um, You're just gonna read one chapter a week and then tune in and we're gonna talk about how this book has impacted each one of us and I think how it's gonna be impacting you too. These episodes are gonna just drop right along with our regularly scheduled Unshaken episodes each Thursday. I hope you'll join us. Today we're gonna spend some time continuing this concept that we started last week. It's a concept that you and I are daughters of the King. Today we're going to kind of banish some insecurities to the dungeon. Uh, Since God loves us so much, we don't have to be insecure in his love and we don't have to live insecure lives. Today, Melissa Franklin is going to be sharing with us how you and I can live secure in Christ. She gave this talk at the 2016 Regarding Him Women's Conference called Daughters of the King. She has a ton of really helpful and encouraging things to share with us. I hope it will bless you. Let's jump in and listen. Okay, so when you walked in here this morning, did you just think that you went back, I don't know, a couple of decades? I was thinking that actually, I have a three-year-old little girl, and I thought she would be right at home with us today. She would, of course, want a princess dress on, um, and she would want her brothers to be following along behind her, because that's what older brothers do. They kind of dote. I have one who entertains constantly. He's kind of the court gesture. And the other son, he's more of the protector, so he, he could be her knight in shining armor. So little Margaret May, that's her name, Margaret May, she thinks, often thinks that she is a little, a little princess. Now, I was warned about this. You know, you have two boys and then your girl. So be careful not to call her a princess. Hmm. Okay. So um, we try to remind her every once in a while that being a princess is not her reality. Kind of important. It's her virtual world, and I appreciate that. It's her virtual world. Going to a virtual world, wanting to dwell in a virtual world, is not just something a three year old little girl wants to do. I think a lot of women, 
Um, a lot of us like to go to a virtual world. We spend time on Facebook. Maybe we play games on our phones. Maybe we watch television, you know, reality shows that aren't really reality. Like, is there a reality show that's about reality? I think we like to dwell in this virtual world. But today, being here together, sitting next to one another, eating lunch together, maybe you will share your Bible with a friend next to you. Maybe you'll pray with a friend with your hand on her shoulder. Today, it's like the opposite of being on Facebook or watching a television show. This is reality, and that's just a virtual world. One of the many things that I love about God's Word is that time spent in God's Word is time spent in reality. It's reality because God's Word is unchanging truth. This morning we are looking at banishing insecurity. And if that is our goal, we must spend some time in reality in the reality of God's word. So, um, shortly after the theme of today's conference was announced, Daughters of the King, I started hearing our God referred to as King in every hymn sung at church, every song I heard on the radio, every little online devotional I read seemed to refer to God as King. There was this echo of our God as king. It was, it was in everything. That's just a little bit of an exaggeration, but you get what I'm saying. I was certain that there was something that God was wanting to teach me. Does that ever happen to you? You, heart, you start hearing an echo, and it's in everything. It is so great to know a God who wants to continue to teach us. So, shortly after the theme was announced, a song came on. I was actually in my car, and I was listening to some music that I had downloaded probably a year prior to this. Um, And a song by Sons of Korah came on. I don't know if you've heard of the Sons of Korah. They are an Australian band who is putting the psalms to music. Really powerful, beautiful music. And a song came on, and it was Psalm 24. It starts like this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And then it grabbed my attention when the psalmist asked, Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord, and who may stand in his holy place. It goes on to say, lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, O ancient doors. Okay, so that was something I would need to think some on. And then it says why. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, so that the king, the king of glory, may enter in. Finally it asks, who is the king? And it repeats it. Who is the king? Who is the king? I was sitting in my car, and I almost gasped when that question was asked. Who is the king? After all these echoes 
I had been hearing of our God as king. The song asked, who is the king? I knew the Sunday school answer to that. But I thought, if I am a daughter of the king, I need to know, really know, who is the king? I was compelled to open my Bible. So let's do that together now. We turn to Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. This morning, together, we will answer the question, who is this King of glory? In God's word, We will walk through how this king of glory is our creator. This king is holy. This king is our deliverer. And finally, this king is our father. Return with me to Psalm 24. Psalm 24 was probably sung in procession to the sanctuary with the Ark of the Covenant. You may have heard of the Psalms referred to as the hymn book of the Bible, but it is certainly part of God's word to instruct us as well. Let's see what we can learn from this Psalm. Right from the beginning in verses 1 and 2, we learn that God is creator and sovereign over all. The New Living Translation says this, says verse 2 like this. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean's depths. I love that picture in my mind of a foundation being laid, lovingly, purposefully laid. There was nothing. And then God Almighty, the King, laid the foundation for the world. This is echoed in Psalm 139. It says, beginning in verse 13, 
For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And then to verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. There was nothing. And then God Almighty, the King, laid the foundation for you and for me. Later in Psalm 139, in verse 17, it says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. As I've read to you in this psalm, Psalm 139, who is in his thoughts? Whose frame was not hidden from him? Who was woven together? Whose days were ordained before one of them came to be? Go ahead, point to yourself. Who is in his thoughts? The Creator made the foundation of the world and thought of you. Isn't that amazing? How vast is the sum of those thoughts? The Creator, your Creator, He is the King of glory. Going back to Psalm 24, we read in verses 3 and 4. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. At first read of that, you may be thinking, my hands look pretty clean. I can imagine at least half of you have hand sanitizer in your bag today. Okay, go ahead. Show your hands. I actually had two bottles. I checked last night. I bet half of you have already used it this morning. You know? Met someone. Nice to meet you. (laughs) But let's think about this. I think a reasonable question is, Is it possible for me to ascend the hill of the Lord? Is it possible for me to stand in his holy place? Do I have clean hands? Not free from dirt, but free from sin. Do I have a pure heart? 100% pure. Years and years ago, I received a gift in a Tiffany's box. You know, breakfast at Tiffany's, that, those beautiful blue, Tiffany blue boxes. I think they actually got to name that color Tiffany blue. So I received a gift in a beautiful Tiffany blue box. And I had an item like it already, so I thought I would exchange it, which is a little tacky. I don't recommend that. 
So I go into with my Tiffany blue box, and I take it to Tiffany's. I was in Atlanta at the time. And I take my item to Tiffany's to exchange it and come to learn, much to my embarrassment, that this item did not actually come from Tiffany's. Yes. This memory came to me as I was thinking on this psalm. Who may stand in his holy place? For much of my life, this was me. I was dressed up in a pretty box. I was a good kid. I made good grades. I was a good friend. I did good work for my employer. I was active in my church. I was good, especially if God is grading on a curve. I mean, there are plenty of bad people who make me look really good. But the truth was, I was rejecting God's rule over me. In so many ways, I had chosen my way over his way. I had chosen other kings to rule over me. I had chosen the king of approval, the king of perfectionism, the king of control, the king of fear, fear of failure, fear of rejection. These kings ruled over me. There is nothing new under the sun. And this isn't new. I wasn't the first to reject God's rule over me. Way back in 1 Samuel, there is grief over this same thing. Let me give you a little background. You may remember the story about Hannah. So Hannah wanted to have a baby. She yearned for a baby. She prayed for this baby, promised the Lord if she had a son, she would give this son back to him. But the Lord opened her womb, and Hannah gave birth to Samuel. And when Samuel was weaned, she took him to the temple to serve the Lord there. Samuel grew to be a man, and he was well respected as a prophet and a judge in Israel. But then Samuel became old. And the elders came to Samuel, the elders of Israel came to Samuel, and they said, Now appoint for us a king like all the other nations. This grieved Samuel, and he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered him, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, Samuel, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done, from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. Long before they asked for a human king, they had been rejecting God as king by their actions, their deeds. They had already rejected him. 
The truth is, every single person has rejected God as king. The Bible says, all men, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. In my God-given conscience, I knew I was choosing other kings. I was active in my church, doing good deeds, but I was choosing other kings. It really is impossible to serve two masters. I would want to ascend the hill of the Lord and stand in that holy place, but wonder how. And the question always loomed, am I doing enough? Enough to stand in that holy place. I want to give you a picture of that holy place. This picture is straight from God's word. It's in Isaiah, Isaiah 6. Isaiah was a prophet who was sent to God's people who had been rejecting him as king. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Who can stand in this holy place? Are my hands clean enough? Is my heart pure enough? Like Isaiah, I would have to say, I would have had to say, woe is me. How can you and I stand before this king who is sitting on his throne? This king who is not just holy, but holy, holy, holy. By God's goodness to me many years ago, I learned from his word that there is a way There is a way to stand before this king. The king of glory is holy, holy, holy. And the king of glory is the deliverer. As we already read in Psalm 24, it says the king of glory is the Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. The king of glory is our deliverer. From what do we need delivery? Our sin 
and the consequence of sin, death. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I quoted to you earlier from Isaiah 53. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. It goes on to say, And the Lord has laid on him, that's Jesus, the iniquity, that's the sin, of us all. Sent by God, Jesus fought this death brought about by our sin. And where was the battle fought? Jesus ascended the hill and fought the battle on the cross. The Heavenly Father, Lord Almighty, sent his son Jesus into the world as a baby. He grew to be a man living a sinless life. He remained pure and holy in this world we know is so far from pure and holy. He offered his life, giving it, dying on on the cross. As the payment for our sins, my sins, your sins. We were released from the prison of death and he took our punishment. Paul, in the book of Romans, tells us what God did. In chapter 8, Romans says, God sent his own son To be in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement, that's the the necessity of having completely clean hands, of having an entirely pure heart, in order that the righteous requirement was fulfilled by Jesus taking our place. Jesus takes our sin and we receive His righteousness. Later in that 8th chapter of Romans, it says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Can you picture the Lord Jesus interceding, praying for you in that throne room we read about in Isaiah? If today you are understanding for the first time the truth about your sin and Jesus' great sacrifice for you, I encourage you to tell someone. Anyone working the conference today would be so glad to speak to you. For those of us who have been walking with God for some time, I wonder if we are living, thinking, acting in ways that show that we have missed the hugeness of what was accomplished there. 
Are we living and thinking in a way that demonstrates we have forgotten the battle that was fought there? The battle that was won there. The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle, fought a battle for you and me by the cross. He did the work necessary, all the work necessary to earn our salvation. Am I still trying to dress up in my Tiffany blue box to earn it? If so, I need to look to Jesus and put on his righteousness. Am I working hard, battling hard to earn my way out of death into eternal life? Now, if you are battling sin, keep fighting it, knowing he is battling with you. I have two verses for you to hold on to. Hebrews 10:14 is the first one. By a single offering... By a single offering, Christ has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. As a follower of Jesus, you have been perfected in him, robed in his, right, in his righteousness, but you are still being sanctified, still being made holy. He is still battling to sanctify you. The second verse I want to offer you is 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You have the king of glory on your side, battling with you. If you have trusted Jesus, then the king of glory is your deliverer and will continue to deliver you as you trust in him. Going back to our questions in Psalm 24, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? The king of glory has made a way for us to stand in that holy place, because the king of glory is our deliverer. Therefore, we may with confidence draw near the throne of grace. We can draw near that throne. Going back to Psalm 24, we can also welcome him as he comes to us. You may remember the verses in the psalm that say, Lift up your head, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. I wasn't sure how that really applied to me. And then I read a quote by Matthew Henry, the 17th and 18th century theologian. I wanted to share it with you. He says, with great readiness, the doors and gates must be thrown open to him, 
Let the word of the Lord come into the innermost and uppermost place in our souls. We started with the question, who is the king of glory? With Psalm 24 as our guide, we have seen that the king of glory is our creator. The king of glory is holy, holy, holy. And the king of glory is our deliverer. Last year, at regarding him, I got to hang out with someone because of a, a few events I had just really met. We were merely acquaintances. We both arrived at the conference with no particular person to pal around with. So we sat together in these main sessions, and we met between breakouts. We ate lunch together. Over the course of the day, I got to hear from her how she came to be a part of her church in the really beautiful and amazing way the Lord formed her family through both birth and adoption. Fellowship with her that day encouraged me and brought home so many of the points God was teaching me through the sessions. That's exactly what fellowship is supposed to do. We cannot be an island living our faith all alone. We must be in relationship with other believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking about that in relation to the many roles I play in my life. On any given day, I am a chef, a chauffeur, a beautician for my girl, a barber for my boy, boys, there's two of them. Um, I am a referee, I'm a gym coach, I'm a judge, I'm a teacher. I play many, many roles. I'm sure you can relate to that. We're women. We wear lots and lots of hats. Besides these roles, I'm a wife, a mother, a sister, a friend, a daughter. But this list is different than the first list. To be a teacher or a chauffeur or a cook, I have to do something first. It is different to be a wife or a mother or a sister. I am the second born of two girls. So from the moment of my first breath, I was a sister. Actually, before then, right? I was a sister. I didn't do anything to be earn the name sister except exist. Now, because I'm a sister, I want to love my sister. So, of course, for me, this meant I needed to inform my parents of every little thing my sister did. Now, the big sisters in the room may call that tattling. The little sisters know it as love. <laughs> Something else is different about this second list. If I say I'm a wife, you may automatically think, who's your husband? When I say I'm a when I say I'm a mother, you may think, hmm, who are her children? When I say I'm a daughter, that word daughter points back to a parent. We live in a world that is imperfect. 
without a doubt within this room, when I have mentioned these family relationships, painful memories, some old and some quite fresh, come to mind. When you are called a daughter of the king, being a daughter implies a relationship with a father. That means that this king of glory we have been talking about is your father, but different than your earthly father. He is a perfect father. I know this seems like a basic understanding, but it is foundational to our faith. I forget sometimes that this is the relationship that God Almighty wants to have with me. He wants me to look to him as my father. In fact, this was the relationship modeled by our Lord Jesus. When he was teaching his disciples to pray, as found in Matthew 6, Jesus didn't refer to God as just Lord or my father, but your Lord. No. What he does is he takes his disciple, his disciples. You can almost picture him just taking him, arm around his shoulder and saying, praying together, our Father. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Together they were drawing near the throne of grace, drawing near the King of glory. Our Father, your kingdom come. That is a prayer of a child coming before her father, the king. I remember as a little girl in my pajamas, kneeling in my grandparents' house as my grandmother taught me the Lord's Prayer. It has been a part of my life for such a long time, I don't think I ever considered how radical it is. Have you ever considered the Lord's Prayer as radical? Well, it was when Jesus taught it. It's one thing to say that God is a Father. Just today, we've talked about Him as our Creator. As a Creator, some would say that He's a Father. But this is so much more than that. Warren Wiersbe says, Since God did create the first man and woman, there is a sense in which every human being can claim God as Father, not by salvation, but by creation. But, and this is so important, he goes on to say, Being born into the human family doesn't automatically make us members of God's family, nor does it give us the privilege of prayer. It is by being born again through faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior, that we become children of God. Earlier, I mentioned Romans 8. I want to go back there. Beginning in Romans 8.15. 
You should have this all underlined in your Bibles, if if you're an underliner. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. In the Lord's Prayer, as we say, our Father Jesus is taking his fellow heir. The Son of God is taking you and me, each of us a daughter of God. And together we are going before our Father, the King of glory. Jesus teaches us so much about the Father, the King of glory. He came to show us the Father. Jesus says in John 6, Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. If you have come to Jesus for your salvation, praise the Father. The book of Matthew records these these words of Jesus. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. What is gripping you with fear? The father has the hairs of your head numbered. He knows you. He cares for you. Before his death, Jesus spoke these comforting words. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Years ago, I, was, I lived in China, and I was hanging out with um, a student of mine over coffee and french fries at KFC, a little, little bit of home in China, eating some KFC. And we had been sitting there for hours of talk about this and that. And my friend, my student, says to me, I am looking for a place for my heart to rest. I thought that was such a beautiful way to express what so many of us feel. I am looking for a place for my heart to rest. I was able to tell her that she was not looking for a place. She was looking for a person. A person is why that house with many rooms is so wonderful. That house that Jesus went to prepare for us as daughters of the king. We look forward to that house, that place, 
because of the Father. That is the Christian hope, dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. It is our Father's house. We have a place for our hearts to rest because of our Father God. J.I. Packer said, If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. This past summer, I studied the book of James with a great group of ladies. I want to close with a few verses in James because they perfectly sum up what I've been trying to say. It's James 1, 17 and 18. This is in the New Living Translation. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us. That's to save us. By giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Did you hear the echoes of the truths we've been learning this morning? Your father, the king of glory, is creator. He created all the lights in the heavens and he created you. He knows you. He made you. Your father, the king of glory, is holy, holy, holy. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. You can trust him to do what is good and right. Your Father, the King of glory, is the great Deliverer. He chooses to save us, to battle for us, and He continues to give us His true Word. And finally, you are a prized possession, a treasured daughter, a daughter of the King of glory. Earlier I told you that in my past I had chosen other kings to rule over me. The king of approval of others, perfectionism, control, king of fear. I had chosen these kings over the king of glory. Under the rule of these kings, I believed I must be approved by certain people. I believed I must meet certain standards. And if I failed, I was unworthy of love, even by God. I would love to report to you that I never returned to those beliefs. Because the truth is, under the kingdom of my Father God, those beliefs are false. They are not my reality. At the beginning of my talk, I told you 
that the Lord was surely wanting to teach me something by this echo I had been hearing of our God as king. After I had been spending some time preparing for this message, diving deep into who our Father God is, again, I was in my car. My car often becomes a little sanctuary. Another song came on. Maybe you've heard it before. It's Be Magnified by Lynn DeShazo. It starts like this. I have made you too small. In my eyes, O Lord, forgive me. And I have believed in a lie that you were unable to help me. That was what our Father God wanted to teach me. I had made him too small in my That's why I needed to know the answer to the question. That's why I needed to know the answer to the question. Who is the king of glory? I needed to remember that the king of glory is not a distant God. But he is my father. He is your father. My father Your father is the creator of the universe. He knows your frame. He formed you. My father, your father, is the great deliverer, ready to battle for you and for me, continuing to battle for you and for me. If I am a daughter of the king, he is my father. What? Am I to fear? Are you finding your identity, your security in him, or in your dressed-up Tiffany blue box? Insecurity will be banished as you look to your father, the king of glory, and stand as his daughter. Only then can we stand secure. Banish every thought that tells you otherwise and replace it with truth. That's why you are here today soaking in God's word. My prayer for you is that the lies, my prayer for you is that the lies you have been believing about yourself. These kings who have been ruling over you My prayer is that today you will start to replace those lies with truth. Replace those lies with reality. First, about who God Almighty, the King of Glory, is. And then, about who you are because of Him. The truth is, the king of glory created you. The truth is, the king of glory 
battles for you? The truth is, the King of glory is your Father. The truth is, you are a prized possession, a treasured daughter. To banish insecurity, we must remember. We have a father, and he is the king of glory. Have you made him too small in your eyes? We don't have to be insecure in the things that we do each day. We can trust in our king. Our King owns everything in the world and has a good plan for our lives. Let's celebrate our King. Let's praise our King. Let's turn our eyes off of ourselves and our own insecurities and let's trust in our King of glory. Hey, I want to end today by reading a couple of verses from the chapter that Melissa shared, Psalm 24. So I hope that you're encouraged as you listen here. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Lord, I pray that you would be with each woman listening today, that you would help her to banish her insecurities and trust in you as the King of glory. Give her and I encouragement as we listen and stand strong each day in obedience to you. I thank you for each of the listeners who listens faithfully and for all of our new listeners. And thank you for this talk that actually happened three or four years ago. I pray that you will use it to bless women and to encourage them whenever they listen to it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, join us next week as we jump into another episode, sort of on the same theme. Next week's episode is called The Dragon Slayer. Now, of course, we're not talking about slaying any real dragons, but we might be talking about slaying some dragons in our life that might count as sin. And it's a really excellent talk on how we can overcome some of those sins that plague us every day. So I hope you'll join me. Remember that when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time.